Welcome to Medicare for All Explained. This podcast will enlighten our listeners and dispel the distortions that surround Medicare for All. Medicare for All Explained is produced in collaboration with Physicians for a National Health Program and is hosted and produced by Joe Sparks. I'm your host, Joe Sparks. This is Episode 27, Stop Using Health Insurance Industry Language. My guest, Ben Palmquist, is the Healthcare Program Director for the National Economic and Social Rights Initiative. He does research, communications, and strategy to help grassroots organizations build power to win universal, publicly financed health care and to transform our economy and public policies to meet everyone's needs and put people ahead of profits. Ben Palmquist, welcome to Medicare for All Explained. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. I would like to start by having you explain what the National Economic and Social Rights Initiative is and what you do for them. So we, uh, NESRI for short, uh, the National Economic and Social Rights Initiative is a partner organization, and we partner with grassroots groups around the country to support uh, campaigns for economic rights, so healthcare and also workers' rights, education, and housing are the four core areas of work. Um, and our commitment is really to making sure that people who are denied fundamental needs have a leading role in shaping solutions. And so in healthcare, we've been working for over 10 years now supporting grassroots organizing for universal publicly financed healthcare, um, often at the state level, because that's where it's seen there's been a lot of opportunity. And now we're excited to see Medicare for All dating checks and nationally. And so we're working on the federal level as well. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about, I read the article by Nesri called Parroting the Right, How Media and Polling Company Adoption of Insurance Industry Spin Warps Democracy. Could you please summarize the article and explain the importance of that article? Yeah, so this was really an investigative report we did into the way that the narrative around healthcare has um, evolved in over the last 20 or so years, 30 years, really. There's different ways that um, people talk about the health insurance sector in particular in the press, and there's opponents of Medicare for All who will often say, oh, this is specialized medicine, this is government-run healthcare. But it's struck us for quite some time that that language, maybe not specialized medicine, but this notion of government-run healthcare was then repeated in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and basically every other media organization and in public opinion polls. Um, and what's such a significant about it is that framing of, of Medicare, of Medicaid, of single payer as government run was not paired with a similar reference to private insurance. Instead, they would say private insurance and compare that to government run healthcare. Um, and so this is a imbalanced way of framing the discussion. And so we sat down to sort of try to lay this out and to provide a little research documenting where this might have come from. And as we dug into it, we realized that 
this prison was actually specifically constructed by the insurance industry in this way beginning in the early 1990s for the precise purpose of defeating um, the man for single payer at the time. And so um, fast forward, over many years, they've just hammered away at their messaging and gotten the mainstream media and public opinion polls to pick it up. And so now, rather than seeing a comparison to public and private healthcare, which would be fair, or between government and corporate-run health insurance, which would be fair, we have this slanted comparison between government-run healthcare and private insurance. And why do you feel that is a slanted comparison? One problem is that this framing is often just simply incorrect. And so when the entire healthcare system is referred to as government-run, that's simply not true. So, you know, the healthcare system includes not only insurers, but also hospitals and clinics and dental practices and public health programs and school nurses, you name it. And so to say that, you know, what Medicare for All is proposing in government-run healthcare gives people a false understanding of what's really being proposed. The second thing, though, is even when the term is used more correctly, for example, to call Medicare for All government-run insurance, it still creates a slanted comparison because they're not comparing that to corporate-run insurance, which would be an accurate and parallel way to describe how private insurance is operated. Instead, they say um, government-run insurance and private insurance which emphasizes the public insurer, government as the public insurer, but completely obscures private insurance companies as the private insurer. And so when this is repeated over and over in the public discourse, and this is exactly what insurance companies knew when they construct the language that obscures their own role, it has the effect of mobilizing resentment against government while giving insurance companies a complete pass and insulating them from any political accountability. Well, what do you think people think of when they think government-run insurance? What do you think they think the government is doing with their health care? Yeah, so there's been some interesting research into when people hear the word government, what they think of. And the two sort of common conceptions that you and I and everyone else often have, one is we think of this bureaucratic blob, amorphous, tons of red tape, can't get things done. And the other is we think of just individual politicians, Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, whoever else. And in both cases, when people hear government-run healthcare, they don't want some, you know, a bunch of red tape, and they don't want Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi, you know, getting between them and their doctors, as a phrase often is called. Um, and people, understandably, have a defensive reaction. When, in fact, what we're talking about is not any sort of takeover of the whole healthcare system. It's actually removing insurance, insurance companies as the middleman and just having healthcare guarantee for everybody by changing the way we finance the whole healthcare system. Um, so it would actually make things much smoother for people. But by invoking government without naming insurance companies, what this language ends up doing is triggering those defensive reactions in people who are fearful of red tape or of incompetent politicians. So, considering the research, why do you think it has been so hard to get Medicare for All implemented in the United States? Yeah, this is an old fight, as you know. So, you know, there's 
first attempts made in the teens and the 30s and the 40s and the 60s and the 90s, and we're back at it again. But every time there's been intense opposition, and it looks somewhat different over the years than different forces at play, but there's been a lot of consistencies. And so this anti-government rhetoric is something we've seen for almost 100 years, or in the 40s, Truman's healthcare plan, which was backed by labor, was labeled socialized medicine. The same thing happened in the 60s when Medicare and Medicaid were passed. And now this language has morphed into this government-run healthcare attacks. And these are backed by interest groups, these healthcare industry lobbies and libertarian think tanks. And what they do, I think, is play on people's understandable fears, right? So people feel vulnerable. They don't have their access to healthcare. They're worried about their finances. And this language plays on that and misinforms people with things in order to you know, scapegoat the government is associated with the problem. And so what we're up against, I think, is really a question of power. So there's a hard power of the hardcore opposition from the insurance industry, along with the hospital and drug industries and chambers of commerce. And then there's this, also this complicity of establishment Democrats, mainstream media, some public policy think tanks, which all take this incrementalist approach and are just consistently saying, no, that's not politically possible. That's asking for too much. People don't actually want that. People like their private health insurance, which is just not true, right? People don't like that. People like their doctors and they want to be guaranteed health care, but are understandably worried when these fair tactics come up. And so what we were trying to do with this report is to help illustrate concretely some of how that the industry's scare tactics are playing out, but also look at the ways in which the media and policy organizations are often complicit in that. And our hope is that this can sort of help illustrate how politics really works behind the scenes. You know, it's not just what happens in a given election or what's written in a given bill, but that these ideas and this language of use really shapes public understanding and can either expand or contract what's politically possible. I think one of the big myths in this country that's been very harmful is that private industry can always do things better than the government. And that's simply not true. I mean, there are things that the government does well, and in some cases does better than private industry. Could you comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's important to acknowledge that people have some skepticism about um, the government's ability to pull things off, you know, if we ignore that, that's our own peril. But I think what we have to be able to do is to make, make that case to say that actually, you know, the government can and should be something that really serves our needs, and that's what democratic accountability is all about. So we need to demand more from public power holders. And at the same time, we need to illustrate all these sneaky ways in which private healthcare companies are taking advantage of us. And so that includes companies which are just driving up prices to insane rates and sending people literally unpayable medical bills and denying people care. And it includes insurance companies which are losing rates year after year and denying claims and coverage to people. Um, and all the while, of course, they're all expecting enormous subsidies from our government. So it's, they're not entirely 
private system after all, right? A lot of the, their profits essentially they come out of our pockets and they also um, come from our public coffers. So it's a, you know, there's many layers to the story, but I think one of, one of the things we have to figure out is how to illustrate that better and connect people's individual experiences. What do you think we can do to counteract the argument that the government doesn't do things well? I think Medicare is a great case study, and obviously it's not perfect, so we need to be able to speak to those and explain clearly how Medicare for All would actually improve on you know, the lack of coverage for drugs and other problems in the system. But Medicare is a perfect example of how things can work. This is really about how we finance our healthcare system. It's not about dictating what happens in a doctor's office. In fact, it would give everyone a lot more flexibility to choose our doctors and get the care we need. The healthcare industry is trying to tell people the opposite, but I think we need to stick to our story and keep reiterating it and, um, you know, connecting it to individual people's experiences. A lot of it really comes down to real organizing, so not just public messaging, but getting out there, talking to people, knocking on doors, having face-to-face conversations, and helping connect. What would you say to people if they would say something like, I don't want government running my health care. Yeah, I mean, it's important to acknowledge what people are feeling, right? And that people are hesitant to have any outside entity running their health care. But the fact of the matter is, we can't deliver health care to ourselves, right? We need a health care system, and somebody has to help facilitate that and fund it. And so we can choose to let corporate CEOs do that, um, but we know that they're really accountable to their shareholders. Or we can choose to let our government, which is really, you know, a collective body that's supposed to represent us as, as citizens and residents, we can let our government do that. And that's not to say we have to hand over the keys and just let whoever happens to be in power do what they want. This is really a way to say that, no, we, the people, are going to reclaim our healthcare system, and we want to be an active So let's get back to something we were talking about at the beginning, and that's framing. What do you think the best way would be to frame Medicare for All to get people to support it? Yeah, I mean, you know, through having an organizing conversation, a lot of the framing is actually about listening, listening to what people's values are and what's most important to them, what their concerns are, what their fears are and then helping connect the dots. But in terms of that public messaging, I think we know a lot of it, right? It's that healthcare is something that everybody needs. It's a fundamental human need and something we should all get a right to. Some people are not more deserving than others. We all need healthcare. And the only way to guarantee that everyone gets healthcare is if we guarantee that publicly. And at the same time, making sure that nobody ever has to pay before we end, would you have anything that you would like to add? Yeah, I mean, one of the takeaways for us in writing this report is just how well organized the opposition is. And so I think we really have to figure out strategically how to contend with that. Um, 
And so a few ideas I wanted to throw out. One is that I think we need to keep on telling more stories that really expose the profiteering that's happening because when people hear about it, they're not happy, right? They don't like CEOs being paid millions of dollars while that same insurance company is denying people care. And they don't like private equity firms buying up hospitals and closing them. And so the more we can get those stories out and help illustrate for people how that profiteering is happening, I think it's really powerful. The second piece is we really need to hold power holders accountable, by which I mean legislative officials here. And so, you know, there's a lot of legislators who receive corporate money and, and are just sort of unwilling to speak their necks out. You know, this this narrative has become popular among some Democrats that, oh, yeah, I like single payer. In theory, if we were starting from scratch, it would be a good idea, but it's, you know, it's just too hard. Um, and they're not going to lead the way, and so we have to really force their hand. It's the only way this is going to happen, and so we need to bring and maintain pressure. And I think we're doing a good job of that, but we're still not strong enough to do even more. And that brings me to the third point, which is we just need to organize, organize, organize. You know, our opponents have way more money than we do, and the only way they're going to outgun them in the end is if we bring people power. And so that means getting out and talking to people and especially stretching beyond their comfort zones of talking to people who um, may have somewhat different life experiences than us. You know, there's just, there's not enough young people, there's not enough people of color, there's not enough poor people in single-payer movements. And so you need to especially, I think, try to reach people who are directly and seriously impacted by healthcare, people on Medicaid, uninsured, people who are struggling to pay off the medical bills. Because those are the people whose stories are powerful and who are going to have a heart sustain this movement for the long haul. And so um, I think we're already doing a lot of good organizing and we need to do more. Well, I know many organizers who would definitely agree with that point. Ben, thank you so much for being on Medicare for All Explained. Thank you, Joe. Great talking with you. You have been listening to Medicare for All Explained. Information about this podcast can be found at our website, medicareforallexplained.org. The music for this show is Super Bubbly by Jesse Spillane. The logo was created by Lily Sparks. Thank you for listening. <laughs>